0: Correct. Oh my goodness. So this includes the whole circular line. Yes. The circular line is only partially built. Plus additional lines. Plus additional I'll lines. I'll say 300. Oh, that's a big number. I'm going to say... I'll say 200. 200? Yeah.
1: Wow. wow. That's exciting. So 286
0: stations. Did you see how that That's number great. just blew up? Now you were so close with that. 300? Yeah, I
2: figured why not double right? <laughs> close
0: to 300 stations. 286. That's uh, That includes light rail lines. And it also, again, it includes the airport MRT line. What's crazy is that uh, because the Taoyuan uh, MRT line is also under construction, so not only are you going to connect Taoyuan to Taipei to Jilong,
3: Whoa! Yeah, so like, you can go from, I guess, almost middle Taiwan to to the northern point.
2: What's this all about? Why are they doing that? What's going on here? It's Curious John! What is he curious about today? A few weeks ago, in a Taipei park, I had a bit of a surreal experience. Suddenly, standing in front of me was a group of people dressed in elaborate period costume. Knights in armor, bow-wielding peasants, and a man in a black cloak and a skeleton mask. Had I stumbled upon some kind of weird renaissance fair? That's what the medieval garb and medieval instruments being played might suggest. But no. This was my first introduction into a world I'd never really heard of, a world of something called LARP, short for Live Action Role Playing. It's a relatively new thing in Taiwan, but it seems to have taken root across the country already. It's a bit of a difficult phenomenon to classify. The people who do LARP aren't historical reenactors. Nor are they cosplayers, people who like to dress up as characters from their favorite works of fiction. To further complicate things, each LARP group has its own rules and aesthetic style. I was a bit confused at first, but the head of the group I happened upon in that Taipei Park, Dennis Joe, helped clear things up. And he joins us today to tell us a bit about what it is that his group does.
4: It's a game,
2: Unlike cosplay, which is focused on dressing up as a particular character from a fantasy series, and unlike historical reenactment, where accuracy is king, LARPing encourages flexibility. It's a game, and players are encouraged to invent their own characters within a certain kind of world. LARP is an extension of tabletop board games like Dungeons & Dragons that takes the action out of the imagination and into the real world. Rather than focus on historical accuracy or sticking to some fictional canon, LARPers are encouraged to use their creativity and express themselves. They invent names and background stories, and they're generally encouraged to stay in character. As long as these characters fit the aesthetic of the group, any character is welcome. (laughs) A lot of LARP groups are themed on European medieval times or on medieval-inspired works of fiction like Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones. But there are also lots of other kinds of LARP groups out there, Dennis says. For instance, Dennis says, you can find science fiction or cyberpunk LARP groups as well, as well as groups that focus on other periods of history. Getting into and embodying a character is the key. There are no set rules exactly. Each group kind of comes up with its own. In the early days, Dennis said that dice were used to determine what characters did. But now, each group has its own rules about attacks, health, and so on. And various fake weapons and armor, like swords, bows and arrows, and shields, joined the costumes for added realism. It turns out that Dennis first found out about LARPing in much the same way I did, by seeing a strange looking group of people. Dennis was then on a temporary work visa in Australia, as many young Taiwanese people are, and he'd never seen anything quite like it before. He was curious and asked what the people were doing, and ended up getting invited to their event. Before long, he was hooked. But upon returning to Taiwan and trying to recreate that experience here, he quickly found out that no such LARP culture existed. He took another trip to Australia a few years ago to figure out how groups worked, and brought his findings back with him. His Taipei-based group got off the ground in 2017. He says that Taiwanese people who first encounter this kind of game fall into a few different categories. A small number have heard about LARPing after time spent abroad, and they're surprised to learn that it exists now in Taiwan, too. Others are used to tabletop games that inspired LARPing, and they're also delighted to learn that they can play the roles of the characters they developed in the real world. The majority of the people, though, remark on how similar LARPing is to make-believe games they played as children. Dennis says there's something in that comparison, The LARPing takes things far more seriously. While the exact rules and style vary from group to group, there does seem to be a bit of Eurocentrism in LARPing. All the costumes and musical instruments I saw came right out of the European Middle Ages, or were at least seemingly inspired by Western fantasy. Why is this exactly? And has anyone tried to add East Asian or Taiwanese elements to LARPing? After all, this part of the world has its own rich history of warriors, kings, and campaigns. And there are even Asian equivalents to Western tales of chivalry. Take, for instance, the Chinese epic Tale of the Three Kingdoms, which is often turned into video games here today. (laughs) Dennis says the reason for the attraction to the West and its parallel fantasy worlds come from the fact that LARPing started in the West. But there's also a sort of familiarity. After all, the pseudo-medieval has a long history of success in Taiwan, with everything from Game of Thrones to Lord of the Rings that I mentioned earlier enjoying a lot of popularity here. But the beauty of LARP is that it can incorporate any historical era or fantastical universe you want it to. Dennis notes in particular Taiwan's 17th century as a period ripe for exploration in LARPing, with its rich cast of characters, European colonists, indigenous peoples, Chinese and Japanese traders, settlers, pirates, swashbucklers, and so on. And he's quick to point out that there actually are a number of Asian-themed LARPers here, including a few duelers in his own group that prefer to wear old Chinese-style garb. He also says that there's a bit of an expectation that when groups like his go abroad for international LARPing games, that the Asian players will wear historical Asian clothing and armor, something that people abroad really think is cool. He says there is some overlap between LARPers and historical reenactors, and some enthusiasts of China's Golden Age, Ming Dynasty in particular, research period clothing and wear them to both LARP games and historical reenactments. Dennis's group has a rich armory. Where did all these toy weapons and elaborate costumes come from? They're strikingly realistic. Did the group members make them themselves? Dennis says that for the most part, no. Overseas, making these props and costumes is already a cottage industry, so he imports the bulk of what his group uses from abroad. But that's not to say that players just buy everything they use. He says that a few old crafts, and leatherworking in particular, have seen something of a renaissance here thanks to players who want to create belts, bags, and other accoutrements for their costumes. Likewise, archery and traditional martial arts have bled into the LARP scene here, with people interested in adding a bit of realism to their performance, learning them and incorporating them into the game.
4: game,
2: Dennis's first LARP game in Taiwan was a rather small affair that took place with just a dozen or so invited friends in January of 2017. But the group has grown, and LARP culture has spread all across Taiwan since then. The northern, central, and southern cities of Taiwan now all have their own LARP groups, each with its own period, focus, and aesthetic. So about twice a month, if you know where to look, you can see groups of people clad in unusual costumes, staging fake battles amid the forests of Taipei's riverside parks. It's a confusing sight at first, but now you too know what's really going on. And if you're lucky enough, you can even hear them sing and play mandolins and medieval instruments like the hurdy-gurdy at weekly hangout gatherings. If it all seems a bit nerdy to you, well, speak for yourself. I have to go run off and craft my own blacksmith costume now. I'm Curious John, and I'll see you again next week.
1: Ya idini
0: kumai bai na kenatal the sound of the puyuma tribe on radio taiwan international It seems like everyone has his or her own small world story. Now, for me, I've run into friends at random airports in foreign countries numerous times, so of course it's no longer a surprise when I run into someone I know in the middle of Taipei. Globalization and super-fast international travel and the internet are shrinking our world. We even have a theme song for this phenomenon, which has arguably become the most performed and translated song in the world. I'm Andrew Ryan, and in today's Ear to the Ground, we take a closer look at how it's a small, small world. It's almost 6 p.m. on a Thursday night, and I'm standing in front of Sogo, one of the original high-rise department stores in downtown Taipei. It's a popular gathering place, a landmark that people use when arranging to meet up with their friends. You tell them to come find you under the clock, this huge, colorful structure above the main entrance. About five minutes before the hour, the chimes begin to ring, and the panels begin to open one by one. And once the introductory music has finished playing, and all of the panels have opened to reveal little figures of children from around the world, You begin to hear the strains of that familiar tune, It's a Small World. The animatronic characters spring into action. There are two Hawaiian girls in hula skirts, a Mexican boy in a sombrero, a little Japanese girl, a Dutch girl, and a cowboy. Thirteen characters in all. Some of them wiggle, others bow, and one of them even plays what looks like cymbals. You can hear the mechanical parts clicking as the characters move jerkily about. It turns out that every Sogo in Taiwan has a clock similar to this one, sponsored by the Hong Kong Disneyland. But each one has a unique design. The song this clock plays was first commissioned by Walt Disney for an exhibit called Children of the World. The original soundtrack for the attraction was going to be national anthems of the countries represented in the ride. But Disney decided they needed just one song that can be easily translated into different languages. So he commissioned the Sherman Brothers to write a piece. And that's how they came up with It's a Small World. The original version was a slow ballad. But Disney wanted something a little bit more upbeat. So they sped it up. And Disney loved the results and even ended up naming the attraction after the song. These days, the song's made it around the world countless times. And now, of course, it's found a home in people's collective memory here in Taipei. You can even hear it on some of the buses, too. All you have to do is ring the bell to get off at the next stop, and you're reminded of what a small world it is. Back at the Sogo department store, it's now 6 p.m. exactly. The song is over and the children have finished their dance and are returning to their little homes behind the panels. And the shoppers disperse as well, only to be replaced by another crowd later at 7 p.m. Who knows, if you stay long enough, you might just run into someone you know. And chances are good that if you do, you'll smile and nod and comment on what a small world it is. Within the near to the Grounds, I'm Andrew Ryan. We'll be Together already, it's time to feast. Sit down at the table with Andrew Ryan and Ellen Chu on Feast Meets West.
5: Hello, welcome to the feast. And this is Ellen,
0: and this is Andrew, and this is Reese. Two seats
5: and is not enough anymore
0: That's right mm-hmm. We have to say San way, Instead yeah. of the Way in our intro uh-huh. Oh yes That's right Because I don't know if people Know this or not But there's a part In our sh- uh, The very beginning Where they say How many people for dinner mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. we say two people but we really mean three.
3: And that's that's Stasha's voice, right?
0: No. No? Nope. That's from actually a long time ago. Okay. It sounds yeah. like a, a, one of your current colleagues' voice. Yeah. No, Was it Charlie? A, no, it's, no? Not, it's before Charlie. It's a oh. guy called Edward Linden. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Who's uh, the husband of Huang Shihan, who used to work in the English service. Yes. British? Yeah. British. Yeah. Very British. Linden sounds very, like a very British very name. Very, yes.
5: long time ago. Yeah. Ancient.
0: Long, long time ago. Are they still in Taiwan? They are. yeah, oh, yeah, wow. yeah. For sure. Uh, we should get them back in the studio. I know. Mm. Get them to re-record that line. Mm. <laughs> well, as we hinted at last week,
3: today we're talking about spit saliva. Ugh. What a strange thing to be talking about in a yes. food show. Mm. Mm. I mean, the words spit and saliva—they don't really. They're not. It's not appetizing language for describing food.
5: Yes, I mean you do not play with saliva or have anything to do with saliva when you're eating in a dining table. Okay. Yes. Although
0: I guess technically bird's nest involves saliva, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh huh.
5: Yes, because the bird nest. I think you know the the bird actually spits out like, you know, saliva yep. and secretion from the mouth yep. to to hold the nest together, yeah.
0: and that's what you actually eat when yeah. you are eating bird's nest, delicious, is the, yeah, right. Ooh. But we're not going to be doing that today. We're not going to be we're not going to be serving up saliva, are we? We're not serving no saliva.
5: swan saliva. <laughs> but
0: we are talking about a very famous Sichuanese dish,
3: which okay. has the the word saliva in its name. It's mm. called Koshui ji which Ooh. basically means saliva chicken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> sounds delicious. I,
0: um, I would say it's better that it's Koshui Zi and not ji Koshui. <laughs> yeah, that would. Okay. Chicken saliva. <laughs>
5: yeah, I remember the first time I had it, you know, at home, and then my mom said, "Oh, this is kousuiji henghao, mm. and it's very yummy." And I was like, "Ew, Strange I don't want to eat any kousui." And yeah. she's like, "No, no, it's just that when you see the dish." Start salivating
0: When you smell it Probably When you smell it Really I
3: think there might be Some science behind that as well It kind of makes your Salivary glands Salivary glands Salivary
0: glands Yeah What what
3: makes you guys Salivate What's a
0: smell Plum Plum. Really
5: Yeah
0: Yeah. That's right Actually that is That's a known Kind Ah. of like thing Is when you eat plums It will make you Uh It like uh, spurs your salivation Lemon Mm Uh huh
5: and um, now that you
3: say that, actually, when I, I remember when I when I would eat plums or drink suamai it would kind of make you just overload with right. Just so there's the a juices. saying, yeah. It's like
5: Wang If you're thirsty, you just you know think of a plum or just look at a plum.
0: And it will uh, it will quench your thirst. That's great. Yeah. Yes. I like that.
5: So it's called called望梅止渴. Mm. That's
0: interesting. What about you, Reese? What what makes you salivate? So
3: I think for me, it's it it is anything with that kind of mala flavor. As mm. Mm. soon as I walk past a restaurant that has that smell emanating from the store, uh-huh. I'm I'm
0: immediately just my mouth
3: is is drenched, and I'm mm, like, really? I need to have that.
0: Yeah. Wow. Mm. Yeah. I think for me, the things that really kind of get me excited are probably anything that combines a lot of different types of flavors Mm -hmm. if you've got the salty the sweet the savory the and some foods when you're cooking them that it just gives off all those kind of flavors really but when you
5: cook when usually when I cook you know I feel like I don't have any appetite afterwards
0: oh because you're tired and, and hot yeah. no it's just kind
5: of like you know in the process it seems like the smell and everything you know just kind of make you full already for some reason yeah.
3: one of the main functions of saliva is for taste like it acts as kind of a medium to get those tastes from the food to your tongue mm-hmm. so it kind of makes sense that the more flavors are present in a food the more you might salivate to kind of get that taste into your mouth mm-hmm.
0: as you can tell a Reese has been uh, doing some research on salivation. I have. It's been a a wet week. It's been a wet (laughs) week. (laughs) And you're going to be sharing what you've learned in today's show, right? I will be. Okay. All righty. Shall we have a look at what's on our manio? Definitely.
5: In our first course, we'll begin with a quiz. Reese will be spitting out a few trivia questions all about saliva
1: Mm,
0: In our second course we're going to be learning about the aptly named dish saliva chicken
5: And in our third and final course we'll be trying not to drown as we (laughs) dig into a healthy portion of mouth-watering chicken
0: Yum 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 First up, we're going to start off with a song And uh, at least two of the songs on our show today have something to do with saliva Mm. The uh, first one is called 口水流下来
5: Wow, Mm. so the saliva is drooling down
0: Yes, you're drooling, it's Mm. dribbling down the side of your face, right? Mm. This is by Lu Guangzhong or Crowd Lu Mm -hmm. And when we come back, we're going to have a saliva quiz Yes, we are
1: 睡觉的时候总是最开开 Oh why Tell me why 我不想天天洗床单 kaka the 这大雨的忙碌狂奔 start
3: First course. All right, are you guys ready to learn about saliva?
5: Let the horse out. Let, Come it, on. Out. let,
3: let, let horse it out. Let the horse out. Yes, the horse is coming. All right, so let's have some saliva trivia. The first one is very saliva. How much saliva does the average person produce per day in milliliters? Oh my goodness, that's so
0: disgusting. Mm-hmm. Oh, let me
5: see. Milliliters. 50. 50 milliliters? Mm-hmm. Okay.
0: I'm going to say a hundred. A hundred? You guys are shooting
3: way low. Oh, wow. According to the internet, Uh which is always right, (laughs) uh, it's uh, 1,500 milliliters.
0: What? Yeah. That's like a liter of
3: saliva. It's it's
5: almost as much as the water I drink. Well, I mean, you
3: know, this isn't saliva that's coming out of our (laughs) mouths. We should hope not. (laughs) Oh,
0: you mean
5: it's like... Saliva produced and even the ones that we swallow.
0: The ones that you swallow oh, and also like when you're see, chewing and eating.
5: Oh, come on, Reese. You didn't say the, you know,
0: oh, the I don't question know clear. Well,
1: trick question. Okay, trick right,
0: question.
5: Going. I am having the <laughs> idea of, you know, the saliva that comes out of our mouth.
0: Okay? Oh, I didn't have any misunderstanding of that. Really? I just okay. really surprised okay. by that. Okay. Uh-huh. I'm not uh, a saliva expert. I don't Do you think, are you an expert? You've gotten it right. No,
5: because, you know, if it's like... So, saliva produced, like even counting the ones that we swallow, then, you know, of course it's a lot. It's constantly like saliva. In well, you mouth. should have
3: guessed mm-hmm. higher. Mm-hmm. How many times you kind of just reg- even when you're not eating, you're, you're swallowing? Right. Constantly. I just right. swallowed. Mm-hmm. There you are. Yeah. Did you yeah. just swallow too? I swallow yeah, probably,
5: <laughs> you know, so 0.12 milliliter.
3: Wow. Right there.
1: <laughs> I hope you
0: measured that. And, <laughs> and if you're eating veal nuts, it's
3: right. going to be double that. Cause uh-huh. Triple, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right, next question. So, which very controversial 1978 revenge horror movie was remade in 2010?
0: What? Wait, wait, what? what? Is this is related to saliva. It is.
3: Wait, do it again. Okay. Which very controversial nineteen seventy-eight revenge horror movie was remade in twenty ten. The title of the movie is related to saliva. So it's not clockwork orange. It's not. Uh saliva. Spit. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, the word spit is in the title. Spit? Spitball? Maybe you've never heard of Spit this movie. Spitfire. No, it's no. called I Spit on
0: Your Grave. Oh, you oh I that? think
5: I yeah. heard something like that, but I never really seen the movie. Did somebody
0: say it to you, Ellen Schill? <laughs> <Spit laughs> <your grave>.
5: Probably <laughs> so, someone said it to me. So mean. It might be from Andrew Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> no,
0: impossible. Yeah.
3: It was okay. a very controversial film in its really? time. Especially wow. it was in the late 80s. It and first it's a horror up. movie? It's a horror movie, a revenge film about a girl who's attacked and kind of goes in this revenge. Spree. Oh, wow. But it's not for the grave. lighthearted. Okay. Yeah. Oh. But
5: it's not like a big hit Hollywood movie, right? Uh, it's
3: amongst horror, f- horror fanatics. It's pretty famous. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm going
5: to Google that.
3: Yeah, you can go ahead and watch it and tell me how it ends. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. um, okay. So we mentioned earlier about bird's nest soup. Mm-hmm. But do you know which type of bird generally produces bird nest?
5: yenzu, uh, So that's...
3: Birds in the swift family.
0: Yeah. Okay. okay. Easy. All right. She's been. Uh, she's been uh, out there to see them actually collecting birds. Right. right. It's very Climbing dangerous. The mm. yeah. Climbing the cliff. Yeah.
5: Climbing the cliff.
0: Where was that? In. in
5: uh, Philippines. Philippines. Right. Oh.
0: Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's have one more
3: question. Um, who, in an experiment that tested classical conditioning, conditioned dogs to salivate in response to a bell ringing?
0: Pavlov. There we are.
5: Wow Ivan
0: Pavlov Pavlov's dog So he did this thing Where he would um, He would like Ring a bell yes. Every uh-huh. time he served Them food right yep. Oh
5: And then uh,
0: One time And they would salivate mm-hmm. But then one time He didn't serve the food But he still rang the bell Yep And they still salivated They would still salivate Yeah
5: Maybe his dog Was just leaky
0: <laughs> <laughs> You need to fix your dog <laughs> I think I, you have A leaky dog
5: I think it's that Particular dog <laughs> Who just has You know Maybe one teeth loose And <laughs> It's just salivating all the time.
3: <laughs> Ellen's mind goes places that I just can't imagine. I was Go beyond, of. right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh, always. But it was an always. important study for, for like conditioning and, right. and behavioral therapy. Right. I love that. that. That's okay. great. Very a good mix good. of like saliva spit questions there for you. Yeah. Really nice uh, introduction to our second course where we'll actually be talking about the dish, mm. Koushuei I look forward to it. And you're going to have
0: the story for us too, right? Yes, indeed. Okay. Awesome.
5: But we're going to have a song that has saliva in there. It's called 口水歌. Do you know what this mean? Do
3: you know what that means? 口水歌? A saliva song? No. I mean, It
5: means song. that it's a cover. Yes. It's a cover of a ah, song.
3: So it's like you're spitting out someone else's words. Yes. Yeah, kind of. song.
5: The oh, song that cool. someone else sang before. Okay, so the I always, name of
0: the song is口水歌. And the person who's going to be spitting out this song, which is actually probably not a cover, it's mm-hmm. probably her own song. Hmm. Okay. But the name of the song is口水歌. Is uh, Liu Huiqi. Yes. All right. So, a
1: listen, let's have a listen. But you the 竟不是发现你在CD Second course.
0: Okay. Alrighty.
5: So, what is koshuiji?
3: Well, koshuiji, uh, its origin story, I think, like a lot of dishes, is it, there's no kind of consensus as to this is exactly where it's from. Mm-hmm. But there is a story about a famous Sichuanese writer and poet called Guo <laughs> Moruo, quite a tongue twister there. Guo <laughs> um, Moruo, who apparently was kind of in the uh, lived in the earliest th- early 20th century. Uh, And he described a dish in one of his poems or songs um, that was so visually beautiful to look at that it would just make you salivate immediately and I'm sure in his poetry he he put it a lot more eloquently than I can okay. but uh, yeah he, he described this dish as because it would make you salivate mm. uh, and that's kind of where this dish or the name at least comes from Okay, um, and I mean it does you know when I look at it it's sitting right in front of me now and I can feel my mouth already filling up with, uh, with yeah, juices yeah it's
5: just smelling you know the peppercorn and everything I think you're salivating already.
0: Yeah, I definitely smell those peppercorns and I'm a little bit farther away from the dish than mm-hmm. uh, Reese and Eleanor and I can definitely smell it very, very strong over here. Uh, yeah. I, I'm going to start salivating, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
5: But, <laughs> you know, other than the taste of it, the texture of the chicken especially, I think it's important. It has to be yeah. very tender. It mm. does.
3: You know, when I... Uh, I think I tried koshuiji before I tried Hainan chicken, mm-hmm. but there is a similarity there in, in the tenderness of the meat. Mm. I think they really take a lot of time during preparation to make sure that the chicken meat is not dry, that it's cooked slowly, and it retains all
0: those juices. Mm. And actually, both uh, Hainan chicken and uh, kousueji, they are both poached. Yes, they So, are. they basically they boil the chicken mm-hmm. in... Uh, I guess in some kind of uh, water that has spices and stuff Mm -hmm. in it. Mm -hmm. Um, And that makes it tender. But you have to do it very carefully. Otherwise... Uh, it could dry out.
3: Yeah. And I think also similarly to Hainan chicken, once you've poached it, you need to soak the chicken in ice or ice oh. water to keep it tight. And okay. to stop the cooking process. Exactly. Yeah. You want to halt it. Yep. Yeah. Tight. The yes. muscle.
5: Yeah. Tender and tight. Um,
3: and again, similarly to Hainan chicken, it's okay. often served not hot, uh, cold or kind Chilled. of between cold mm-hmm. and room temperature. Right. Mm. Um, it's delicious. Mm. There's actually another dish called Bang Bang Chicken or Bang. Bang bang gi. Bang
5: bang gi. I like Bang Ji What is more that? Than that? It's
3: great you've, I love you've bang, had bang Bang Ji yes. It's basically It's quite similar to Kou Shui Ji But the chicken's like Shredded right. right It doesn't kind of Come served as a whole
0: Breast or leg Right Ooh. And
5: I think it's Less tender
0: mm-hmm. Right Yes
5: And then it has More texture to it mm-hmm. Bang Ji
0: Can we talk about Some of these um, Sauces Because these just Sound amazing The sauce Yeah the well I mean sauces This is Because I think that The sauce is where You get like yeah. The real pack of flavor and kind of the things that's going to make you salivate Mm -hmm. yeah i mean poached chicken is poached chicken but when you add the Sichuan chili oil
3: sauce to it it really just it's uh, looking at it right now it is a bright red sauce it's so full of chilies and uh, Sichuan peppercorns five spice powder sesame seeds you've got cumin ginger star anise bay leaves all of this comes together to create this incredibly
0: vibrant sauce that mm. is just packs it really packs a punch and you actually put all of these in a wok and you heat them slowly over a low heat right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um and you want to be careful because if the spices are overheated then they become quite bitter so yes. you don't actually want to like you want to you want to heat them you don't want to actually cook them
3: right you want extra- to extract the flavors but don't cook them and then you discard the spices once you've got that extraction
0: mm-hmm. and, and you that's... leave the oil in the wok yes yes uh, and and the then sauce. what do you do? You just pour it over the top?
3: Pour it over the top of that chicken. And you can garnish it with like cucumbers um, or kind of other other bits of vegetables. Um, but really the star of the show is the chicken and the mm. sauce. Mm. Uh, Amazing. And actually it's a quite a small dish typically when served in a restaurant. Mm-hmm. So you'll have it as a side typically. You'll oh. have like your main dish and then kosher zi will be like an
0: e- additional side. Because yes. I think it's probably so flavorful you can't eat a whole yeah. meal out of mm-hmm. this. Usually
5: right? I think, you know, the northerners they would eat it with, like dumplings or noodles you know places and this is a side dish
0: Mm -hmm. right yeah Yeah. we have a lot of other ingredients down here what is all this so ginger shallots garlic salt sugar vinegar mashed soy whoa Red what oils has no bean paste, pepper, chili powders, dried
3: chili. This is not an easy dish to make. Mm-hmm. So when does that come into the process? The seasoning. Yeah, the seasoning that is mostly. To, that's when you're cooking the sauce. So mm-hmm. the, the po- poaching the chicken is relatively simple, mm-hmm. right? That's mm-hmm. boiled in a in a soup that right. has flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wow. But it's all these spices. They come into it when you're making this this oil. The, the oil sauce.
5: The red. Yeah. The red chili I, yeah, do you sauce. call
3: it a sauce or an oil because it is essentially just bathed in oil?
5: <laughs> we don't really call it a sauce. I think it's the yol. Yeah.
3: yeah, I think once you've extracted um from all of those the bay leaves, uh, you've extracted the flavor, discarded those, mm-hmm. then you've got the oil. That's when you'll add in the ginger, the shallots, mm-hmm. uh, and the bean paste because those you don't discard those. You actually keep those mm. as part of the sauce. Mm. Um, and then, I guess, yeah, you chill it um once it's cooked. It's Ooh. all about imparting the flavors, Yes, huh? And it's right. so many flavors. My
1: wow. Goodness. This was one of
3: the first dishes I remember trying when I arrived in China like almost 10 years mm-hmm. ago. And it was just uh, so offensive to my face in every sense of the word <laughs> in the best possible way. Okay. It's so spicy. It's almost overpowering. Slap in the face. Oh, yeah. I'm so excited for you guys to try
0: this. <laughs>
5: okay. Get
0: slapped in the mm. face. Wow. Why do you think it is they serve it cold? Have you guys thought about this? I, I wonder if it's something to do with
3: poaching chicken, you mm-hmm. know, because because uh, cooling it down after it's been cooked as part of the cooking process to then heat it up again would maybe you'd lose the texture.
5: I think it wouldn't be that tender. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think they're locking, you know, how mm-hmm. you pushed it, poached it with different kind of like condiments mm-hmm. over here and then everything is locked inside
0: locked inside i like that yeah yeah I, I encourage listeners
3: to actually just go and google uh mm-hmm. saliva chicken so that you can see a picture of what it looks
0: like because it mm. really is a feast for the eyes as well it's okay. so colorful
5: amazing if
0: you do so sal- oh it will it'll come up as saliva chicken yeah or a uh, mouth-watering chicken some of them have and also they have koushui ji so yeah. k-o-u-s-h-u-i-j-i mm. So we're going to be sampling this, right? In our third course? Yes. You guys excited? I am yes. excited. Mm. A little nervous Very. about the spices. It's going to be spicy. Mm. Okay. All right. So another song before we get into it's that. It's called
5: Yummy, Yummy, Yummy. I and
0: love this song. This is from like 1968. Wow. By Julie London. Okay. And I think it's perfect for uh, a dish that makes our mouths water.
1: Yes. yummy. Loving you. Love you're such a sweet thing. Good enough to heat things.
0: And that's just what I'm gonna
1: do. Ooh, love to hold. silly as it may seem. The loving that you're giving is what keeps me living. Oh, features and cream. Kind of like sugar, kind of like spices, kind of like Sounds
0: funny, but love you, I love you. You're listening to Feast Meets West. Third
1: course.
3: So we've each got a small serving of koshui saliva chicken.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: Mm. Uh, it is going to be very spicy. The restaurant that I got it from uh, in Zhongshan, uh, it's a Sichuan restaurant. Uh, they serve noodles and, and this. hmm <laughs> Oh, my. Shui is a Sichuanese dish. It should be
0: spicy.
5: Oh, my. Is that too much? This just exploded in my... Tip of my tongue.
0: It's uh, it's pretty full on. I just they, took a whole mouthful. Okay, they didn't ask
3: me for how much spice I wanted, so this is
0: the standard. I have to tell you, Reese, with this dish, there is absolutely no adjusting the spice levels because <laughs> it's already made just like that. Yeah, that's, you
5: could you could take this level of spice.
0: Yeah, yeah, wow. yeah. When I lived in
3: Beijing, uh, I would eat Sichuanese food maybe once every other day. I
0: think because I was just in love with it. Did you get a really spicy part? Mine was okay.
5: Yes, I had the tip where all the <laughs> garlic, and spice sauce.
0: Yeah, no? toss it down, Ellen. All right, man. I think I can't. it's okay. It's, we should have prepared. some That's milk. kind of like my. That's my barrier really? right there. That's where yeah. you get to. Yeah.
5: Wow, you guys are good. <laughs> um,
3: so yeah, I mean, it, for me, this level of spice, it is. It, it it can be difficult to manage, but it also really wakes me up. I feel alive when I eat this level mm. of spice, and it's also. Got I think some... I
5: gave you the part that's not that spicy. Oh yeah, yeah I
0: think you're right. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the chicken? The chicken is delicious. It's
5: delicious. Mm-hmm. Very
0: tender. Very tender. Mm-hmm. Super tender. Mm-hmm. My whole mouth is burning, but I'm I'm happy. I'm starting to sweat. Yep. which, which you do when you have uh, spicy food. Mm-hmm. Um, but good. Good. I'm glad you like it. It's very hard to find in Taipei. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. Because Sichuan food, I mean, you definitely have Sichuan restaurants, but it's yeah. not like, it's not the most common type of food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. I have to say that um, I'm noticing after I swallowed it, I actually started salivating. Yeah. Like yes. that it mm-hmm. spurs on the uh, the production of saliva. Yeah.
5: Continuously. So, yeah. it's
0: not just smelling the, the, the flavors and kind of like before you eat it, it's actually after you eat it that I even, I notice it more. Yeah. No, I'm, my mouth is full of saliva right now.
5: Full of saliva and... Little drips of, like, sweat is coming out <laughs> mm-hmm. everywhere. Is,
3: is eating spicy food good for weight loss in this way? I think so. I think
0: yeah. so. Yeah. yeah. Um, Gets ugh. rid of water retention problems. Yeah.
5: And the trick is, don't put it in front of your tongue.
0: Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Put
5: it back of like, your mouth right
0: so I swallowed bag. it I like pretty much like chomped it up and mm-hmm. like swallowed down pretty quickly mm-hmm.
5: try it in front of your tongue
0: no no, no I'm good I think <laughs> <laughs> I was very surprised the restaurant that I got this from uh, they were very
3: busy okay. mm. um, and I think because it's such a hard dish to find in Taipei the few places that have it do it well and they, they get the customers for it mm. um, which was interesting because you know I think I have a perception of Taiwanese people as not really being able to
0: handle spice very well. I disagree. Really? Yeah, Taiwanese people love spice. Yeah, Yeah? they put,
5: like, spicy chili on everything.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're Mm. not, like, Sichuanese people, definitely, Mm. but I think Taiwanese people love their spice. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Oh. Oh... Don't look at Ellen and me. We're not representative. Oh, yes, I we an-
5: are not representative.
0: <laughs> right in the back of the throat of a chili seed. Okay. It's so
3: good. I-, I could eat this every day, although I think my stomach would protest. I think, uh, yes.
0: yeah, I don't know that I could do that. I think, I, I hope I'm not regretting this tomorrow. It might be.
5: <laughs> maybe, like, in an hour. It doesn't have to be tomorrow.
0: Yeah, might be sooner than expected.
5: Right.
3: Uh, see, if you, may- if you can find a Sichuanese restaurant near where you live, go and try this dish, because it right. is. It's, it's, it's so different. It's or so fragrant. Or we gave
5: you the recipe, so, you yes. know, make it at home <laughs> yourself, okay? But we do have a little bit of warning, okay? Do you prepare a glass of water. Milk. Right milk. Next to, milk. Milk. Yeah. milk and water right
0: next to you, okay? Yes. Because,
5: oh, my, 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 my mouth and palate is just, like, burning right now.
0: <laughs> you could have some yogurt, too. That's yeah. actually a great way to... Yogurt. I've ice heard cream? beer as well, actually. Beer Ice helps. cream? You guys are both coming up with two very opposite things. <laughs> really? Beer and ice cream. Cream. I would uh, not beer recommend and beer cream. and ice cream. Beer,
5: I think it will fizzle.
0: Don't do both. It's a very explosive combination. <laughs> How
5: About beer, ice cream, and Coke.
0: Oh, oh no!
5: Kaboom! Actually, what
0: happened to the show? The other thing is too is white rice is oh, a yeah? good way to suck uh, up the, sure. the the chili.
5: So you know you might gain weight because mm. you're gonna eat like three bowls of rice <laughs> just for one piece of chicken, right?
0: Oh my goodness! Yeah. So there you have it. That is uh, Saliva Chicken. Kofei okay. uh Thanks for your uh, quiz and mm. uh, fun info there, Reese. Right. Uh, if you would like to add to our show, any thoughts or comments, send us a letter.
5: At P.O. Box 123-199 Taipei, Taiwan. Email us at androo at rti.org.tw
0: that's right and next Saturday on the feast we're going to have a fantastic show for you
5: yes and this it's song is very appropriate at this moment because my tongue and my palate is just very numb okay <laughs> and it's called De <laughs>
0: big tongue big tongue,
5: <laughs> big tongue. It's like
0: fat tongue yeah right? <laughs> fat
5: tongue and this is by Wu <laughs> Well,
0: how do you say that in uh, English
5: <laughs> lazy tongue it's, it's I like think?
0: A, you have a lisp right lisp. a lisp oh, that, that's what it means
5: it's like
0: the little kid that it has trouble Pronouncing the S's <laughs> So it's super uh-huh. cute This by Katrina As you okay. said Is Kenji right?
5: Yes Kenji
0: Alright uh, And I think we all Have fat tongues now Yeah
5: I think <laughs> definitely My tongue is not As it's normal size Right now Okay <laughs> I think we're doing
0: More than our 1500 milliliters today right. Yes uh-huh. for sure Okay Alright I'm Andrew Ryan
5: And this is Alain And
0: I'm Reese We'll see you next week See
5: you
1: 说, 对不起 Yo my so
4: so i what
0: In Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz. Again, that's in Southern China and South Asia from 1600 to 1700 UTC on 9405 kilohertz.